0: Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome in to episode 233 of the Monoderma Podcast with Mike and Mike. And this episode is sponsored by Dream. And any of you listening are in the UK. Dream is sending over their artist, Scott Pellegram, for a clinic tour. So that starts on March 19th. If you're in Manchester, uh, Scott will be at Johnny Roadhouse Music. On March 23rd, he'll be in Bournemouth at Absolute Music. On the 24th, he'll be at Hobgoblin Music in canterbury the 25th he'll be in colchester at sound attack the 26th he'll be in washington at drum shop uk and then on the 28th he is headlining the galloway drum show so again if you're in the uk you want to check out uh, scott pelagram's clinics go to dreams facebook page they have a flyer there with all the details as far as time and address and all that again that's dream symbols facebook page check out the scott pelagram 2020 uk tour if you go to one of his clinics, make sure you say what's up. Scott's one of the nicest, sweetest drummers people on the planet, and let him know that uh, you heard about it here. And that's it. Let's get the show going.
0: <laughs> Pointing at me, oh, buddy! I'm going to tell you right off the bat. Educational segment today changed the way I see what I think is dry, what I think is washy. It changed a lot because when you play it, you have an experience. When you go back into a control room and listen to it, it's a very different experience. And... I think we need to get right into that segment. By the way, how are you? You good? <laughs> Who cares? Let's talk about ride symbols. <laughs> okay. So getting right into what I think is, the, I always say that the gear review is the candy. The educational segment segment is my candy. I love this stuff, but I was blown away by what I thought was something. You know what I mean? By like, oh, well, this, this symbol says the word dry on it. It's clearly dry. So should we explain what, what the hell we're talking about? No, <laughs> keep the train a moving. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to episode two. Three- three. We are talking about ride symbols and going from dry to washy. And what does that mean on a level where you're trying to explain it to someone else? But also, what does it mean just to your ears? And what I realized is that there's a lot of things like this in the music world, and in the art world. But one adjective like dry To Mm. make a symbol dry, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is it affects a lot of other things that I didn't really think about. So you don't get dry without also changing pitch Mm. and darkness and brightness and all that stuff. It's like you don't just get dry. It's like, well, to make it dry, you also lost all of this. Or I was shocked that dry also meant bright. There's so much attack Mm. in a dry symbol. Hmm. Yeah, there's articulation in a dry symbol. And then in a washi symbol, I started going really fast and it went and there was no articulation. (laughs) So and I think I knew all this stuff intrinsically, but listening to it back, I was surprised. I was also surprised how if you give your ear about 15 seconds, every one of them turned into a ride symbol. If you wait long enough, you know what I mean? Like with having no comparison, no reference. Yeah, exactly. If I, if I just put on something, I said, this is the washiest ride symbol in the history of ride symbols. 15 seconds later, it's like, it sounds like a ride symbol. You
2: know, I was, I, I'm I've used been, to the washiness. I've been for, for whatever reason, re-examining Brian blades playing, uh, just something mm-hmm. popped up on YouTube and I just went down a deep rabbit hole. I, I think f- you
0: mentioned that last week.
2: Yeah, yeah. I forgot that he, all those early classic records he made with Joshua Redman, he was using a 24 inch, a Zildjian. We also kind of think of him as being this definitive old Jazz K sound. But it's a 24-inch
0: old A, which is similar to what they're now producing as the Avidus line. Great! Do you know how much touch you have to have to make it sound the way he made it sound on those Joshua Redman albums? Yeah, that's like a a John Bonham-type symbol. And he's... (laughs) (laughs) Touch. Touch is is a crazy thing. Uh, And I I equate great ride cymbals... To great microphones just because you spent more. It's not going to be better for you unless you can use it quite the opposite. I would think it's yeah. completely the opposite. Yeah. Uh, if somebody said, Hey, I've been playing for about a year. I have a chance to get this sixties K or this brand new ping ride. I'd be like ping ride you know what every time you hit it it'll go ping you get that 60s k you better get some touch buddy oh what are you using 2b nylons good luck get in on it have fun all right well let's give you guys some audio so we can you can hear what's going on now obviously all i have here is minor symbols but we are trying to make this just an audio example of dry to not so dry to washy it this would hold the same for any symbol company. I will tell you the model numbers just so you know what you are listening to, but really, that's not what this is about at all. And I also wanted to show you when we get to the washiest symbol, then I eventually gaff tape that symbol to show you that you can take sound out of a symbol, but you can't really put sound back into a symbol. So the driest symbol I own here, and maybe you have some reference for this in other companies, but the driest symbol I have here is the twenty-two inch vintage pure ride. Okay, it's so just- that
2: is unlathed
0: both sides both
2: sides no polish or
0: is it no no like it's very minimal processing it is yeah Just it a is a symbol blank <laughs> it's a symbol blank with a bell uh and some some bow to it so i mean it has been shaped but no um extreme hammering whatsoever all right this is a 22 right 22 vintage pure red
2: All right. So but it's not completely dead. I mean, there's some life. To
0: no. That. And I do have, I mean, you know, my miking setup, I have a, a microphone, maybe th- three feet above it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's capturing you know? some of the hum that really, if you go 10 feet away, it's, it's pretty much gone. Yeah. If, and if I was going close mic and then seasoning to taste with overheads, it would just be that articulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I noticed while playing it was that when you have a dry ride, You're not going to get a lot of crashability out of it when I would hit the edges it. But it does. I think we all know once you've played for a while, when you hit the edge and kind of lightly crash on a thicker ride symbol and a drier ride symbol, there is a sound. I mean, it's not like it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It just does this thing um, that can be really cool as a different accent.
2: Yeah. And did it make you feel naked is a weird word but like no man i was
0: literally gonna say that word and i was like don't say naked because that's weird but yeah exactly um especially in that playing style that i used there yeah you know if i was just playing maybe like gravity by john mayer maybe a little bit different but playing in that ding chicka ding ding chicka ding ding chicka ding like it was my snare that felt exposed yeah that's yeah what i noticed with
2: with dry cymbals is it brings out the drums. So for recording yeah. it, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I tend to go drier a lot of times if I want like fatter, darker drum sounds. Um, so yeah. And it's also, I think that that's recorded really, really nicely. That would cut through a mix without being overly aggressive, I think.
0: And I will say this, I recorded it once and then had listened to it and I had to go back and record it again, lighter. Mm. Um, I was okay. playing into it too much cause I'm used to playing a cymbal that's much washier and much thinner. Uh, usually in the position. So this is by the way, for everybody that knows what my drum set looks like, every one of these symbols was on my left above my rack Tom mm. where my 22 inch ride normally goes. So this wasn't in ride symbol position, but that kind of splits this triangle between my, then where that ride is my high hats, my bass drum, my snare drum, it's all off to my left. And I angled the microphone that way. Okay. So, um, so, and it's angled down at me so that I can play on top of it. But anyways, I'm used to having that 22 inch big apple dark right there, which is a thin mm. washier ride and you can get away with not playing so light. And it just, it never explodes on you. This thing was like so sharp and so much attack. So I would say mm. if I was trying to get a lot of attack through and articulation, great symbol for that. All right. So what's the uh, next one? So the next one, this is where things got weird for me. That one did exactly what I thought it was going to do. Then I went to, and maybe you can give me an, a Zildjian equivalent here, or a Sabian equivalent, or Paiste. But the, I went to the 22 inch medium ride, uh, the, the Byzance traditional medium ride. Mm-hmm. So this is—I don't know what that is in other companies, but That'd it's be like,
2: like a K22, like a regular K22 or something, yeah.
0: or a uh, like Paiste, um, maybe not, probably tra- traditional, traditional. Yeah, traditional medium ride. So I mean, this is. They could just stamp ride symbol on it. That's Mm -hmm. what this is. Now, I thought because of all the lathing, oh, this is going to be way washier. It was different. What it was, was it still had really defined articulation, but the pitch seemed to go up for me like more high frequencies. Mm. Uh, I was able to crash on it a little bit. You can hear like, but it wasn't washy by any means. So let's give that a listen. So what I found with that symbol is it's willing to override. Mm-hmm. It kept going and going. And I had to like tell myself, Oh, we're getting there. Calm that thing down. Bring, bring your volume down again. Cause it was building and building and building as I got busier. It mm-hmm. was a very different experience than the vintage pure ride. That one to me sounds like everyday studio ride
2: for yeah. any kind of session that comes in. You can get away with it. You could swing a big band. You could kick a rock
0: band kind of yeah. the general use ride symbol. And it would definitely be more controllable if it was a 20, but it is, I just wanted to use a 22 for this example. Um, but yeah, the, so uh, it was a little
2: bit, I wonder if the lathing is
0: what opens it up. I should ask uh, Nick or someone. That's at least when we built the transition ride, that's what we did. Cause we started the transition ride with the 20 inch extra dry ride. Mm-hmm. And I said, can you just make this crashier?" And they said, well, we could lathe the bottom of it and that'll help. Um, okay. They did lathe it like a crash on the only on the bottom. And they, they actually turned it into a crash symbol. So I have that here as one of the Hmm. prototypes Interesting. and I was like, not that crashy. And then they made the lathing way finer, like crazy fine. And that's what ended up being the transition ride. So Uh I think the lathing allows those sound waves to kind of vibrate out a little bit. Loosens it Um, a little bit. Yeah. So Hmm. we have that. Then I went to the washiest symbol that I own that is categorized as a ride. And this is a 20 inch jazz medium thin ride. Now, For those of you out there that aren't really into the terms, medium-thin is hella-thin when you put the word jazz in front of it. So jazz, (laughs) medium-thin, it should just be called the Byzance hella-thin ride. I hate the the word medium. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. How do you tune your snare drum? Medium.
2: Really? Is it medium? (laughs) Is it really medium?
0: (laughs) Uh, All right. So this is a 20-inch Byzance jazz, medium-thin ride. Let's give it a listen.
2: So, yeah, my ears have completely forgotten what a ride cymbal sounds like. They all sound the same to me. (laughs) That's kind of what I
0: was saying. That's kind of what I was saying. Now, one thing that I noticed with this one recording it is when you when I have those first like whole notes in the beginning, like it's not that washy. When you start getting going, Mm -hmm. it's the opposite of feeling naked. It starts covering things up. The washiness shows up the more you play it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could totally. I mean, I could play a modern rock chorus on the side of this thing no problem you mm-hmm. get away with it um i didn't hear i mean it sounded to me like the the 22 traditional and this
2: were kind of of the same family even though they're in different series because i went yeah, back and uh, forth it
0: was like it's just a different pitch maybe a little bit more heavier sound but not same exact not metal um just a different lathing process and I think when they got to this thinner point, I mean, this ride symbol, this is an old ride symbol. I honestly don't even know if they make it anymore, but this ride symbol is what triggered the crash that I always have on my right that I call thunder butter. So, mm. um, Oh man, Ben Caesar. Yep. Country drummer. So Ben Caesar was playing for Meinl. Meinl noticed that he was using the jazz thin, cra- thin ride. This one, the medium thin ride on his right. And they were like, are you just using that as a crash? He's like, yeah, I don't care what you stamp on. it. It's one of the best crashes you make. (laughs) And they're like, would you like it to be crashier? Because we could do that. And then they ended up making the 20 inch extra thin hammered crash for him. Uh, So this, this, a lot of minor guys were using this ride as their crash. And so you can lay into the side of it. Now that's the washiest ride I own. As you can hear, even with a washy ride, it's still a ride. We haven't crossed over into, oh yeah, that's a crash that you're riding on. Just like Mike said, like they all kind of sound like rides. And that's what I said at the beginning, right? Like when you listen to it by the end of this clip, it sounds like a ride symbol.
2: Yeah. I mean, I couldn't even tell if you said which one had the highest pitch, I'd be shooting in the dark.
0: (laughs) So what I did with this one is I just took two probably foot long strips of gaff, put it on the bottom. Oh, wow. uh, On both sides of the bell. That's severe gaffing. Yeah. So this is me taking it to the next level because you can always take more tape off if you want more but this is how dry you could make the washiest ride you own so this is the same exact ride you just heard but with gaff tape on it
2: That is the Joey Baron secret. That's how his, he gets a symbol sound. It doesn't matter what it is. Any symbol, you put
0: enough tape on it. You're going to sound like Joey Baron after. All. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That is something that, uh, I think I learned about that while gaffing my drums and then using my little you know you make like 10 little strips and it's like right, i'll just stick them on my ride to hold them until oh yeah i get them on my drum and then like somebody walks by with a stick hits it, and you're like wait a minute that is amazing um now yeah, you do that to t- crashes hi-hats and everything and you get this kind of toy sounding kit that's very unique how did that make you feel playing it though like a toy yeah, it's kind um, of weird
2: right it's almost like you've got one of those sound off pads on your cymbal or something
0: yeah totally i mean uh I, and I think that I would play if, if my kid actually had that on it and then I had like some tea towels on my drums or something, but my drums were cranked up. I mean, mm. I, I might play kind of tongue in cheek, you know, mm. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I just wanted to show you that sometimes if you only have the option to get one symbol, Sometimes it's it's good to go a little bit washier than you think you need because you can always take sound out of it. I mean, I, that was an extreme case, but you can always just put a little bit of gaff tape or a gel yeah, on top if you true. want or whatever. Yeah, a rock whatever. ride is a rock ride. You're not going to – yeah. you, you can't, tape up a rock
2: ride, you're going to sound like Joey Baron. <laughs>
0: Right. But you, if the producer says, do you have a washier ride, you can't – unless you have a lathing machine on hand, you can't put washiness in <laughs> Into that twenty-two inches Zildjian Bell ride, uh, yeah, you, you, it ride. is what it is. <laughs> Man, do you remember? I mean, you. This is one of your favorite drummers, but at some point we have to do a whole entire episode on nineteen ninety-six mm. Jack DeJeanette because oh, yeah. it's twenty twenty yeah. all over again. Like the dude yeah. had this stuff figured out. Do you remember those dark, ugly yeah. rides? everyone, and everyone got was like, them, and Sabians, <laughs> yeah. didn't know. Everyone why. was like, Sabians going down. Sabian's going under. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, uh, saving can you re-release those and call them the big and ugly? Because yeah, Jack yeah. had it figured
2: out. He did. I mean, all those Keith Jarrett records from the 80s and 90s, yeah. and it's, it's that sound. It's like your taped up sound, but they made it like in the symbol. <laughs> but I remember yeah. everyone was like, man, I got the new Jack ride. And, and you're like, oh, yeah, what do you think? I hate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. It's Well, it's like, did you, were you able to get Jack's talent, his touch, his feel? Yeah. Do you Walk- play the gigs he plays? No. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm in, I'm in a Deftones cover band. It's like, well, <laughs> might not work for you, but oh, uh, that's amazing. good stuff. All right, so should we do all four at once? Yeah, let's just listen to them. So just to give you guys a recap, this is the 22-inch the Byzance Vintage Pure Ride, followed by the 22-inch Byzance Traditional Medium Ride, followed by the 20-inch Byzance Jazz Medium Thin Ride, and then the Jazz Medium Thin Ride with gaff tape.
2: honestly say the first three i didn't know the difference it wasn't until you got to that medium thin 20 that i'm like oh that's a totally different sound the other the other two the other two yeah the first two Yeah. yeah the third one was like okay now it's different the first two it could have been like the same symbol just with the mic twisted a different direction or something yeah
0: well especially when you hear those first two whole notes if you skip right to like the middle of it you might hear a little bit of difference but not so much that you couldn't fix it in the mix or yeah. adjust your playing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, and you and I have done this before with other tests where, and here's five of my favorite snare drums. And then it's like, <laughs> they crack. sound like snare. Drums. Dude, get They're a crack. Yeah. Get a decent, what are they? They are their noise boxes. They're noise box. <laughs> you get a decent drum, decent kit, a, a decent set of cymbals, And you know, I, it's funny. I just, as you know, that I've been, obsessed for i mean really since this podcast started with cameras and lenses in that whole world because i'm trying to get better at it and mm-hmm. their fuji's got a new camera coming out canon's about to release theirs and somebody just went on a tangent on youtube recently where he was like it will not change anything you don't know how to shoot video so whatever you have just go learn how to use it This camera will not change anything. I promise you, your video will look just as crappy in 240 frames Uh, per second as it does in 24 frames per second. You don't know how to shoot video. Stop worrying about it. I was like, oh, my uh, God. The Canon Talent series. (laughs) (laughs) They did. It's called an iPhone 11. Just, Just take your iPhone and shoot with it. It's got great image stabilization, good colors, good dynamic range. Moving on. Are we jumping into uh, Eloy Casagrande? Yeah,
2: let's let's jump right into. I mean, I feel like again deja vu. I feel like we featured Eloy before, but maybe not explicitly. He is he does have a big feature in the current issue, which is just out April twenty twenty. The one with Glenn Cochi on the cover. Um, so I thought we could re, you know, dig a little bit deeper. There was one quote that I wanted to read that I think for me was I'm glad he said it. So let me uh, pull it up here. He's talking about. Um, taking risks as a as a metal drummer. Okay. Um, So the question was, what's your approach to playing live versus how you play in the studio? And Eloy's answer is, by the way, Eloy plays in legendary metal band Sepultura at the moment. Um, And I don't know, he's got to be twenty years younger than everyone else in the band. Right. Um, Okay, so his answer to that question, a lot of metal drummers feel that they have to follow these quote unquote rules. They also think that fans also have these rules where what makes a good musician is someone who's able to reproduce or deliver exactly the same show every night. But to me, that's just BS. I want to be different every day. I get tired of playing the same thing. I actually want to forget what I played yesterday and be a new musician today. I don't know many metal drummers who would say that, honestly. If I'm, I'm, any. A, I'm yeah. totally obviously ignorant to the to the genre, largely. But that was just refreshing for me to hear someone that that just brings a little bit of just recklessness to this music that I feel has been just airtight for so long. And say it, like say it out loud. I think you
0: also have to get over, which he clearly is, that point where you recorded something. And you think as a drummer, you're doing this to yourself, but you think that your fans don't believe that you can reproduce it. So you go out Mm. there and flawlessly reproduce it every night to prove like, Hey, that wasn't, that wasn't studio magic. I really did play that. Even though there were triggers, I played that. Eloy is past that. He has nothing to prove. Like everyone in the drum world knows he's one of the baddest cats to ever live. I've never talked to a drummer that's in the pro ranks that didn't know about him and go like, I think he might be one of the best drummers to ever live. Like, yeah, it's yeah. so hard to watch him play and not and not go, I don't know how many people could do that. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's unreal. It's,
2: it's that combination of power, precision, uh, recklessness, uh, creativity, virtuosity. And I think he's able to say, have this mentality, of, I'm going to go out every night and try new stuff because he knows his body's not going to fail him. <laughs> you know, he's got so yeah. much in the sure. tank. Yeah. Uh, but... I just love that he just said that. Like, um, he's, yeah. he's going to go for stuff. I'd, I'd be surprised if anyone would ever notice that he plays something differently, even though he might think he's playing it completely differently because the concept is the yeah. same. That's what I sure. That's what I wish more drummers in all genres would 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 appreciate is just you're going to sound like you, whether you play the part slightly differently, completely differently, exactly the right. same, and that's what yeah, the fans
0: want to hear is just you be you. I think I, I totally agree. No, I totally agree. I, there are very few in the air tonight fills where an entire auditorium wants to airdrum with you. Yeah. So as long as every, as long as the, they get to hear their favorite song, not to mention, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of seeing a band live is no, I have the recorded material. That's flawless. I expect it to be flawless. You guys got multiple takes. Yeah. I want to see you take some chances. There's nothing cooler than when you're ready for a singer to hit a chorus and, and they take it even further than they did on the album, and you go, "No way! Like <laughs> yeah, right. my my hero evolved. is actually even more than I ever thought." Yeah. yeah. And so, all right. Well, you want to uh, you want to do the Eloy Casagrande timeline? Yeah. So this the first bit of audio
2: we're going to drop in is an excerpt from. He won the Modern Drummer Undiscovered contest in 2005. He was 14 years old, so we flew him in from Brazil. He had uh, Achilles Priester with him as a chaperone, and he came out and opened the show fearless as a little 14-year-old. It was kind of crazy and depressing at the same time. So we're going to just drop in a bit of his solo. So again, this was him. I don't think he'd ever been to the U.S. at that point, showing up at the the biggest drum event on the planet and just coming out just blazing. So here we go. Modern Drummer Festival 2005.
0: So I, you know, just like everybody else at that time, I bought this DVD mm. and saw that. And I don't know what it was about when Tony Royster in 2003 played. Mm-hmm. There was something that was almost like tangible. Like, I know that kind of drumming. I think if I practiced hard enough, I could do that. <laughs> Keep in mind, he was 12 and I'm still trying to catch up. <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, okay, all that Samba stuff. I mean, oh, my goodness. I, I didn't even know what was going on. And then if by the end of the video... He's got full blown adult metal chops.
2: yeah yeah. I mean
0: it, his single it's real
2: powerful and he, I mean he's 14 years old so yeah God-given gift probably worked his butt off as well but um, we didn't know what to expect. I mean his video that he submitted was clearly the winner in the under 18 category but you know you never know what's going to happen when someone gets in a room and has to play the drums. And all their heroes are backstage
0: watching them. And yeah,
2: he took it to the next level. I think his his performance at the show was more intense than the
0: video that he submitted. So, Unreal, yeah. man. That was 2005. Unreal. You want to jump to 2016, which was the clip yeah. you chose? Yeah, so the reason why I chose this is I've told this story on the podcast before, but Eloy and I did a tour in Mexico together. It was my first time meeting him. Obviously, I'd known of him since he was 14. And first of all, I want to let you guys know, I don't know how many... Pro drummers that I've come in contact with that were so incredibly humble that play at Eloy's level. I mean, mm. his humility is really unmatched, and he's kind. And the first thing he said was like, "Hey, man, great to meet you." We were setting up our kits on stage, and he said, "You want to jam?" And I was like, "Yeah, I would love to." He's like, "Do you know any Brazilian stuff?" I'm like, "Totally, yeah. I'm, I'm a drum teacher." <laughs> <laughs> so but he was like, "How about some bossa nova?" And that just kind of shook me to my core because I was like, "I what?" Well, what? What? Why would we jam bossa nova? <laughs> Keep in mind, I'm girl from Ipanema over here. I don't know. I'm thinking of something very yeah. different than what he is. So he sat down on his kit and literally played what we're about to play for you. So this is Eloy Casagrande drum solo, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and uh, that's the video title on YouTube. And we're starting at the five sixteen mark.
2: Bossa Nova means ripped the crap out of the hi hat, rim click, and bass drum.
0: Dude, <laughs> Do you hear how fast that right hand was? That's not two handed, folks. I didn't know what to do. I just sat down and stared at him, and like kept nodding. And I was like, just... "Grab your brushes." I was, tink, 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 tink. <laughs> I just started with my shaker. sha, clack do clack clack clack. I really, I had no idea what to do. I was like, "Oh, you know what?" I'll deft tones the hell out of this in half time. <coughs> 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 Let him go. <coughs> 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 oh
2: my goodness. It's funny when, when when I hear stories like this, the first thing I think is, well, what would be the one thing that I feel that I would own over everybody else? There's right. nothing. There's absolutely nothing. I can't play any <coughs> I have no like native tongue on the drum set. Right, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> Something that would make me feel like that where you played and I go, I just could you just hit a crash? And I don't know where one is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that was something. And to him, he was like, I'm sure in his mind he's taking it easy on me because I'm I'm not kidding. The guy really has no ego. He wasn't trying to show me up at all. He was so excited that I was excited to jam some bossa with him. Anyways, uh, yeah, that didn't go so well for me. (laughs) moving on to the most modern clip this just came out what, today? yeah, just released
2: um, today, March 6th on Pisces channel so they have a drum cam footage of him playing a Sepultura song called Raging Void so you can check it out on Pisces Symbol's YouTube channel, we're going to drop in the the first bit of it, so this is him in his current element full, I mean it's like full beast mode yeah, so let's check it out
0: Equal parts inspirational, and uh, I'm gonna throw my drum set in the trash. <laughs> what I love about that is I honestly don't know what subdivision he's playing in.
2: I have no right, idea. Right? Yeah. Is a triplet groove? 16, it's like those fives. I have no idea, and I don't. I don't care. It's just right. Whatever he's doing totally. feels so human that I just love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's he's. I don't know. He's 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 been in. God, I can't even talk. <laughs> He's, 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 dude has been in my top five favorite drummers since our, since, since we went out on that tour together. And, yeah. uh, and yeah, it, I'm, I remember just, well, first of all, I was headlining that clinic tour. Mm. And as soon as soundcheck happened, I went to the promoter. I was like, you have to switch the order. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, it's not even fair to the instrument to have me play after that guy. Like I'm not. Scared. It's not fair. It's not right to the drum gods. Let the man close the show out. I mean, that is, you know, I mean, it would be the same thing as. If Brian Blade was opening for you, where it's like, look, there's I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, there's so nothing more to think say this of after
2: he plays. I mean, let's just be honest. There's nothing. Yeah, more to
0: totally. Say. It's like, let's just sit back and watch. And and I want to watch, you know, and, and every night that he played, I was just sitting either. I was backstage for the, his entire thing or I was sitting front row. So uh, I can't say more great things about Eloy Casagrande, if you haven't checked him out, please do check out. God, he's been in Sepultura for quite a while now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's been his, his, I think he found his home with that band. It's kind of everything that he needs all wrapped in the one, one project.
0: And think about the people that we know that weren't able to stay in the gigs they had because they couldn't stop improvising. He's found that sweet spot Mm -hmm. to stay in this very established band for a long time while still doing what you said, changing it every single night. Yeah. And they welcome it. I mean, he's bringing that youthful kind of craziness to this legendary band. It's awesome. Absolutely amazing. All right, now let's take a quick break to have a message from our sponsor. But you're going to do a live read. I am. We're not even taking a quick break. Just go into it. Yeah, it's not a read. I'm actually improvising. But uh, what? Dream, Dream Symbols. Are you not sight reading this? No.
2: Dream Symbols sponsoring the episode. Long-time sponsor. Thank you. And they want to make an announcement about a clinic tour in the UK for Scott Pellegrom. He is going to be there March 19th through the 28th. So on the 19th, he is in Manchester at Johnny Roadhouse Music. On the 23rd, he is in Bournemouth at Absolute Music. On the 24th, he's in Canterbury at Hobgoblin Music. 25th, he's in Colchester at Sound Attack. 26th, he's in Washington at Drum Shop UK. And then on the 28th, I believe he is headlining the Galway Drum Show. So if you're in the U.K. in any of those those towns, cities, March 19 to 28, definitely go see Scott. He's another, for me, super inspiring player who just goes for it at every moment. He's always always evolving, always taking risks. Um, really inspiring player. So if you haven't seen Scott Pellegrom, it's worth it, uh, especially if you need some inspiration to kind of get out of your own habits and Restrictions and whatever. Super creative. For player. sure. So March 19th. He makes the drums to, fun. March 19th to 28, he will be over there in the UK. Go support him. Let him know you heard about it here.
0: Um, yeah. Thanks, Dream. What we at now? It is time to talk about the minor Artist Concept Series stacks. Yes. Two, uh, two of the stacks.
2: Super so stacks. They, okay. s- they sent me every stack that they make, all the signature stacks. Oh, wow. And I was going to do them all at once, and I realized that'd be like a 20 page review. So I'm, I'm chopping it up into some. Some chunks. So the one for this month is the Thomas Lang Superstack and then the Benny Greb Crasher Hats, little eight inch Crasher Hats, as well as their sixteen inch Sand Hats. We're going to just focus on the Crasher Hats and the Super Stack. You can read about the Sand Hats in the April issue.
0: Nice. Uh, do you have any of these? Have you? I don't. <clears throat> no. And I, I, um, I did play the eight inch uh, ones mm-hmm. at. The camp that I did in Greece okay, uh, a little while ago, one of the drummers, so we were kind of rotating through rooms because there were a bunch of teachers there, and one of the drummer's kits, uh, his name is Mike Kapalitis, killer Greek drummer, he had this on his kit, and I actually came home and thought like, oh my gosh, I'm going to order a stack. This is crazy. You haven't had a stack in a while, huh? No, and actually the Luke Holland stack is my old stack. Like, okay. Okay. Mine was like, are you cool? This is Luke's plan. I was like, I, I couldn't care less. And, and I, I put two symbols on top of each other. You yeah. Yeah. Whoever wants it can have it. Um, <laughs> but I, but this is something different. So a stack, what you and I are used to is a stack, which was back when we would take our broken symbol and throw it on top of a non broken symbol yeah. and got yep. something very short and staccato totally different than this eight inch stack that this thing makes you play different things yeah and it's it's actually four pieces so there's like a raw bottom so it is it's designed to be set up
2: like mini hi-hats it comes with a clutch and a and a auxiliary hi-hat arm so you got a bottom symbol that's a raw piece and then you have a a b8 disc like just a cutout disc that goes on top of that and then you have two more Eight-inch cymbals that go on top of that, so you've got a layer of four chunks of different types of bronze, um, and then the clutch. You don't actually affix the top cymbal to the clutch. You just use the clutch without the bottom washer and nut to just hold the hold everything in place. So you can still right. adjust the tension, but it's not like a hi hat where one the top cymbal is independent. They're all just kind of laying on top of each other. Um, pretty neat. So um, I recorded it going from like super tight to super loose and to my ear the tighter these things were the cooler it was it sounded like an, totally like agree. an egg shaker or a cabasa or something whereas when they were loose i kind of heard like the splashiness of it which didn't have as much uniqueness to me right but when they were super tight i felt like the, the ghost notes in this sound were like seamlessly integrated which was a lot of fun uh, you want to check that one out yeah let's give it a listen
0: You went full four bars with that little polyrhythm. I was like, when's he getting out of this? When's he getting out of this? You you took it the whole cycle. (laughs) Who knows? I know. (laughs) I just counted the damn thing. Okay, so it's funny hearing you play it. That's not even, I didn't play it like that. I never Hmm. played Time on it. I saw it as like Ribbon Crashers. Remember those old school Uh, Ribbon Crashers? I have one of those, like a homemade one. Yeah, that's, that's how I saw it, and it was because of where Mike had it on his kit that okay. it was a left-hand thing. He had it, uh, like, above the hi-hat. Oh, interesting. And so it was like, when I was playing things, my left hand would play that instead of a snare drum accent, and um, mm, okay. and it was, yeah, it was, it was very Ribbon Crasher for me, and I and I really loved it. I thought it was... Uh, it, I was The reason I didn't order it, and I'll tell you this right now, the reason I didn't order it is because I was scared to get addicted to it. Uh, yeah, then you're like, haven't put on your rider. <laughs> it's in my rider, totally. Right now, you know what's in my rider? Ride symbol, ride symbol, hi-hats. See you there. But then it's like, and you got to get the bend grip. I was like, ah, I'm good. All I'm right, too so scared to get addicted to it. Same, it's amazing, though.
2: That same clip, you also heard me uh, hitting the Thomas Lang Super Stack, which is mm. an 18-inch combo of a holy crash and a holy china so the crash is inverted upside down the china is in the normal upside down position so they kind of couple into each other nicely but there's a little bit of air between them so you still get some of that rattly bit you can adjust the tension as well i've st- I, with these as well i kind of felt tighter was was better but not
0: super tight somewhere the way you had it to me is quintessential stacker when i think stacker in my head that was it when you hit that i was like oh yeah that's it that's what i was always trying to achieve with my stackers yeah they just fit
2: nicely they don't rattle a bunch and they were easy to position they didn't kind of you know they just they're designed to fit into each other really well Um, and they weren't nearly as aggressive or abrasive as i expected because i think these are b8 or b12 if it's the classics it might be b10 b10 yeah so they're not b20 um so they are definitely brighter but i i felt like i could still do some more like nice subtle things with them um so we can probably drop in a bit where i'm more focusing on the super stack
0: okay Yeah. The two complement each other really well. Yeah. You know, and I think what gets confusing for people with stacks is it's not that you have to have a smaller symbol on top of a bigger symbol or vice versa. It's that the bells have to be shaped properly for these symbols to lay right. on top of each other and not just cause sometimes I, I've seen people that just keep tightening their, uh, their wing. Nut? It's called a, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I used to play drums back in the day before <laughs> I got really into cameras. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i was like staring at you in the <laughs> help me out it's a call it's not a tension rod is it uh tightening their wing that hoping it'll happen it's like i'm sorry that the bell that's on top is smaller than the bell that's on bottom it's never going to lay flat it's never yeah. going to fit and then it gets these are designed it's to
2: fit it, perfectly it starts to like get that hollow sound when you tighten it too much where it's yeah.
0: like it's like a snare oh, drum with the wires too tight nothing worse than that Tink ching, <laughs> ching. Okay. That's not what I was going for. Yeah. The, these are great. They're perfect. Um, and I think that, uh, it's cool that you actually demoed them playing time on them because I think the obvious thing was what I did, which is using them for accents. They just stick out really cool and add texture to your improvisational stuff. Um, yeah,
2: but. I dig them. And the fact that I mean that's an eight inch versus an eighteen inch, and they they worked well together. I had them up on the kit much longer than I expected because I I don't use these types of sounds very often, but it was right. just a lot of fun. So if you're looking for something fun to add, check out the I would say the crasher hats are probably the most fun, and then the super stack is kind of the most like
0: this is your stack sound for any gigs yeah. we need a stack. I agree. Awesome. All right. And Minel launched their new website yesterday, so you can check all this stuff out Sweet. on com. Now it is time to get to some listener questions.
2: All right, let's go with John. For the first time ever, I've been asked to do to be a fill-in with a cover band whose drummer can't make a gig uh, mid-March. Hopefully we haven't missed this. Luckily, they have a good handful of songs that my cover band already does. Um, it's only two sets, and I won't need to sing like I do with my band um his question is what advice can you offer as i do this for the first time so it's his first time filling in for
0: a band Mm. uh simpler is better keep it simple uh the band will not give you the stank eye because you missed a ghost note coming into a fill that's not on Mm. their mind don't speed up don't slow down know the tempos write the tempos down be able to i mean the, the most important thing i think when you're filling in is just knowing one key fact do you start the song or do they start the song <laughs> that's true <laughs> that is so the thing because you can have the drum part memorized but what will throw you off is when they turn around and go go ahead and you're like oh no you go ahead and they're yeah. like no count us off I'm like, well i don't know the damn tempo <laughs> yeah i always that, mark the, the, the tempo always on the set list and I have a metronome. Totally. There. Even if I, if,
2: yep. even if I'm not counting it off, I at least have that reference point.
0: Right. Um, yeah. And then, and then I don't really chart things out. I mean, I, I think I chart things out in that cover band chart way, which is have a little bit about. of the arrangement written down and, and have some key things that could screw me up. But other than that, it's kind of like, what's the groove I start with? What's the tempo? And do I start this song? Yeah. And, and that's about it. The only thing
2: I would add is, is, Determine very quickly who's the person on stage that's going to help you out. So and yeah, and gl- keep your eyes glued to that person. If it's the bass player, if it's the if it's the leader, I usually just only look at one person when I'm filling in. It's like who's the one that's going to tell me when the breaks are coming? Who's the one that's going to tell me yeah. if it needs to be louder or quieter? Um, that's super key. And then um, kind of hand in hand with that is um, even if you're charting things out or if you have notes, try to get out of your head. Just to try to interact with the band and have fun. You don't want to sound yeah. insecure. You don't want it to sound like you're sitting in for the first time. So just realize that you're going to make probably a half a dozen mistakes. But as yeah. long as everyone is just having fun,
0: no one's going to, I don't think anyone's going to give you the stink. No, eye. Uh, I mean, fear is absolutely contagious and it just starts permeating through the stage. So yep. even if it's going bad, still have fun. And if you have fun and because what what's going to happen is, when you're not having fun and you're kind of freaking out, like, "Oh, I'm so sorry!" Like, you start apologizing with your drumming and you start shaking your head no every time you make a mistake, uh, yeah, yeah. and every crashable is a is an apology. And it's like flat doom. That's a I'm sorry. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> dude, so it's like, dude, stop apologizing. Just yeah, you know how to play the drums. You're fine. <laughs> Just keep good time. You know, and and I've I've been on stage plenty of times sitting in where clearly the song stopped and I was a train of moving. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like. They'll play another four-bar phrase, and you can yeah, get them out of totally. it. Totally, it's going mean, to be fine. Yeah, just I can, don't stop right after they stop, and then grab your cymbals, and then say sorry. <laughs> just keep going. Yeah, I've Go, got hundreds da, of, of do, examples da, 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 of that. do that. Yeah, I did a gig with
2: um, the singer from the ELO, not Jeff Lynne, but the the, the okay. singer who replaced Jeff Lynne in ELO, and he has one of. He t- sent me like a live recording. Like we're going to do these songs. This is from a show. He didn't tell me that one of the songs was a medley. <laughs> Oh. So, but the version that we played at the gig was not the medley, we just played the song. So, at the end, we got to the end of the first song. I went straight into the opening of the next song, and it was just like, hey, cool. I guess I'm doing a little one bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just funny, and everyone was like, ah, you went into the other song. Like, yes, right, yeah, 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 yeah. It's,
0: it, it's yeah. just the way it goes. If you can smile and laugh through it, it'll relax everyone in the band. They already know you're going to have mistakes. All right, next question. Okay.
2: Um, oh, we have a follow up for the the mental breakdown that, we, that I was talking about a couple weeks yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my buddy Dave texted me. And he said, um, because I was talking about how the flight syndrome kind of kicks in when I get to the point where the gig's just not feeling right, I just want to pack my bags and leave. He said um, a good strategy would be to force yourself into a fight mentality. So rather than get sad about it, get angry, and then your brain will just kind of rebalance itself. I've yet to try it, but it makes sense if if you're kind of totally. in there like, I just want to get out of here and your palms start sweating. Just take a more like, no, I'm going to beat the crap out of this next song and we're going to be back on
0: point. So I think got- I when you, because I think you called me or we were talking yeah. on the phone right after you got that advice and we were both just like, how did we not think of that? It yeah. just makes so much sense. Yes. I totally Swing love the it. pendulum back, so I'm going to try
2: it, see what happens. Maybe I'll actually break a cymbal next time. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Get
0: it. Get it. All okay, right,
2: next. Uh, let's see. This is from Peter. I'm playing a lot of quieter, singer-songwriter type music these, these days. I hate rides and also hate using brushes in the same way you use sticks. Um, I'm trying to work up a good feel for 4-4 four, 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 four music where a backbeat is required without playing a train beat, but I'm having trouble finding examples of great brush drummers in pop. So far, my go-to have been John Convertino with Calexico, Jay Velaros. Um, and so the question is, are there any other drummers or educators I should know about specifically relating
0: to playing brushes in straight time? You know, I, I think that I, it's funny. I was just talking about this yesterday, but Florian Zorn could have been that guy. Because mm-hmm. he was doing all the stuff that was coming out of Germany, but he was doing it with brushes. You can still find his stuff. He has DVDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just moved into more of the directorial thing for drum videos. Uh, but so Florian was great. Um, yeah, I mean, Jay Belarus is a great place to start, man. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, yeah. Matt Chamberlain, I mean, you kind of just
2: go for textural players, Joey Warren, yeah. Kerr, um, Aaron Sterling. I think I think on the John Mayer record, um, born something. What's it called that Aaron Sterling's on? Oh yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's a lot I, I of brushes about,
0: and, and non-stick yeah. playing. And I think that that's where Jay Bellarose comes in. Uh, Aaron Sterling, Keltner. they come Keltner, in. Yeah. I don't think of them as brushes. I think of them as texture. Yeah. Instead of sticks, it's just like a texture. And I think that Yeah, Keltner's um, definitely the the god of that. Like, yeah check out to um and i hate when i mention anything that i happen to be endorsed by but uh vic firth just released a whole line of things called the remix i got line. them i got them into okay. review they look pretty are neat. they cool yeah i i saw who, who was playing them uh the tabla cat from the uk uh that's in the benny greb dvd he white it. hair <laughs> <laughs> pete uh, wingnut <laughs> tension rod oh my god Uh. Uh, so yeah these are like bundles
2: and and they're they're kind of they have two sets that are like wide fan looking things and then two sets that are kind of tighter so they're actually designed the wide fan ones might be what i was thinking of
0: yeah, yeah they're like they're like they rooms really cool.
2: versus multi, like spread out multi rods, and then you can layer them like the th- the thick ones and the thin ones, and they're designed to work together. I've yet to try them. I'm pretty pretty stoked. They look kind of cool because I again the brushes. If I pick up brushes, I immediately think I've got to sound like Papa Joe, and if I right. pick up rods, it's like oh I've got to play a bunch of diddles like Carter Beaufort or something. Yeah. I always want something that puts me somewhere else
0: when I'm going for that stuff. Totally, yeah. I think that that'd be great. All right, let's didn't do really, one more. Didn't really answer the question, but you know, whatever.
2: I um, think we nailed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I've got a lot of responses about the crappy gig stuff, so maybe we need to do a follow up on that. Um, okay. Um. What do you want from a crash cymbal that you want to play eighth notes in a rock groove on? I find that most cymbals uh, feel too heavy and you have to hit them too hard to get them to open up.
0: Yeah, Tobias, we answered this in the uh, ride cymbal talk where a lot of drummers were using these 20-inch light rides to do that. And I was one of them. I mean, I always had a 20 or a 22 on my right to really lay into. I can tell you without a doubt Right now, almost every company is making a great 20-inch crash all the way up to 22. I mean, finding a 22-inch crash when I was touring was impossible. No one made them. that had to be a jazz ride. Yeah, exactly. And now it's really common. So I think a, a 20-inch crash on your right, the one that I use uh, that was developed for this purpose is just called the 20-inch extra-thin hammered crash. And uh, that's by Meinl, but I know that everybody makes something that would work with that. And you know what? If you're going to bash on it, don't be afraid to spend a little less money. I mean, mm. I hate to say it, but our, our our episode sponsor, Dream, they make amazing symbols for super affordable prices. Uh, I probably just lost my mind deal, but you could get something amazing, <laughs> like a 20-inch Dream Bliss Crash or Bliss something. If it has the name Bliss in it, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, my, that's my professional recommendation. Anytime I see bliss, let's do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, We have a bunch more questions, but if you want to send yours in, we could use some audio questions. Send them to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. It's always nice to hear your voice
0: in the show. Um, I have
2: to admit, I don't have a pick of the week. Do you have one?
0: Yeah, my pick of the week is that I have a meeting in five minutes. So (laughs) that's why I couldn't think of the word wingnut is because I'm checking my emails to make sure that this guy didn't cancel the meeting. Uh, I'm trying to find a graphic designer. So I've got a meeting Mm -hmm. with a graphic designer, and I think that it might work best if the graphic designer lives in the same area that I do, at least for... This little bit so that I can work with them and they can see the business and they can see yeah, what I do sense. on a daily basis. So I'm gonna give that a shot. So I've got a meeting with somebody. So if you start seeing like lots of material coming out where it's like, wow, Mike really upped his design game. No, he didn't. Mike just finally opened the, the checkbook a little bit. Wait, are you does that so, mean
2: you're gonna replace your stock signature with your actual signature? Hell no. <laughs> hell no.
0: Try to steal my Jane Austen font. <laughs> Dude, that happened. That was terrible. When when the YouTube copiers were going their hardest and stealing everything from it, when I saw somebody use my font, I was like, that's worse than if you would have had me come to your house and write your name for you. Don't steal my Jane Austen font come on man don't steal my Jane Austen font. <laughs> dude I got that thing in like 2006 it was the only cursive font that had ever been made at the time You're stealing oh, my font now, I don't, last quick story I don't know if you even know why that came up but when I sent my signature to Vader for my signature sticks they Chad Brandolini called me and he said I, I just think it's bad marketing to have this as your signature and I was like why he's like it's so bad <laughs> I was like, what? And he's like, have you thought about maybe just picking a font? And I, I was like, okay, Venico, I guess. There's my signature. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Ariel, Italian. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, so that's how that all came about was Chad Brandolini was like, it's fine. We'll do it. But I, you know, at first he was like, could you do it with a Sharpie? We can't really make anything out. Mm. Can you make it bigger? And then finally he was like, can you just pick a font? Okay. And then so it, it was this- more of a marketing plan. Did you ever
2: practice your signature? Cuz I have never practiced it. No. And it's it changed so many times since when I yeah. was learning to write versus now. And I see some signatures like they're they're so artistic. It's like you must have like put oh, 10,000 totally. reps into your signature.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> You know, what's funny is my signature is the same as saying a word over and over again, because I have to do those uh, Brooklyn standard labels. Mm -hmm. I have to sign each one of them. So I had to do like 300 the other day. And about every 50, I have to take about an hour break because I actually can't make my signature anymore. I don't. (laughs) It's like, like I'm like, it's not Ella Pahant, is it? Is it Ella Pahant? Ella Pahant. No. And I, I was like, oh my God, I can't sign my own name. And I take like a break. I go play drums, have a bite to eat, and then I can sign another 50. But I can't knock out 300 at the you end just of time. You need to start doing MJ. Forget it. I, well, that's pretty much what it is. It's like Mike Jahara Mike Chahara. I can do the Mike fine, but I can't spell Johnston. That's tough in cursive. All right, everybody. Thanks it's for listening to this episode. <clears throat> thanks to Dream, our sponsor. And thank you to all of you that have been kind enough to go and give us a five-star rating and review. Also, remember, we are now on iHeartRadio. Yep, we are. So you can listen listen to us there with all your other favorite podcasts. But until next time, Mr. Dawson, yep. have a great day, man. Who's playing us out? Anybody? We've got Dr. Stuart Anderson. He's got a song from his band, 202, and this is the song,
2: You're Done. So we're going to end this episode with a song. Thanks, Dr. Stewart.
0: Boom.